Let's open the word of the Lord to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read from verses 1 through 7. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. As the children go to children's church. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Today I want to talk a couple of minutes about the prophetic company. The prophetic company. And uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse, beginning with verse 1. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole or beam. Let us build a place for us to live. And he said, go. And one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? And uh, Elisha responded or replied, I will. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, an iron axe head fell into the water. He says, oh, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you continue to open up our eyes. We recognize that you are not only our source, but you are the giver, the source of wisdom. You're our provider, and many times we ask you for things. We ask you to help us to pay the bills, to take care of the kids and all this other stuff. But, Lord, you are the Lord of wisdom. And I prefer that you give me wisdom than, than that of being given a million dollars. Because so many people, they're, they're given money or something tangible, and then they just throw it away. They misuse it because they don't have wisdom. So, Father, grant us wisdom. And then whatever you give us, we'll be able to handle it properly. And make it multiply for your glory and the benefit of those that we serve. Thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, teach us, I pray. You lead us. Think through my mind. Speak through my lips, Lord God. And we give you all the glory for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. Last week I shared this series of verses with you because we have to start thinking as owners. There's a difference between a rental mentality and an ownership mentality. Owners don't wait for uh, people to take care of them. Owners make things happen. Owners understand if they need something, they'll go out and work extra hours or do business and trade, and they'll get the resources to take care of the things they need to take care of. So we have to come into a place in the coming days and months where, where God is uh, speaking to you, and you realize it. God is speaking to you. Point to yourself this moment. Point to yourself and say, God is speaking to me. See, many times we hear messages on Sunday and God's speaking to you, but you're not receiving it. You're letting it pass over your head. I mean, you get blessed with the content, but then you let it go. It's similar to the way we process bits of information. Some of us, we remember numbers. Others remember names. I am one that I remember geography. I'm, I'm very good with geography. Now, I'm not talking about in school where, you know, the first nation is here, the first state here, the second state. No. 
I'm talking about if you take me somewhere in a car or in a bus or if I walk somewhere, I'll remember it. Could be 10 years later, I will remember it. But it all boils down to what you trained your brain when you were small to focus on originally. Now, ask me what's your name 10 minutes after you told me it. It's very frustrating. Something happened when I was a child where I taught my brain not to take names as important. But I did not know that. So now I realize the name of a person is very important to them. So I'm forcing myself, forcing my brain, and my brain is fighting every step of the way because my brain tells me, well, you taught me that. You taught me to focus on geography. When I was a child, my dad would take me to uh, upstate every single Saturday. We'd go. He would go to the Seven Lakes. He would go to um, Middletown. He would go to, uh, what's that place over there? Middletown, um, Siete Lagos. We used to call him Siete Lagos that day. Newburgh. Thank you, sir. We used to go to Newburgh and that entire periphery. And so I learned to remember little roads. I was a child, eight years old, nine years old, ten years old. He'd go every week. And over there, he'd get next to the lake and play dominoes with the guys. That was his life. Eat, work, and dominoes. And so I, you know, I would look at him, and I would just enjoy, go to the river. It was, it was fun. But I always remembered the route. I, I paid attention to the route. I learned to pay attention to the route. We were on a men's retreat. I'm in my, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s. And we go to a place uh, pl- called Wallkill. And, and there was a retreat center there. And I looked around. I says, can you do me a favor? Could you make a turn in that road? So where you going? I said, please, can you just do it? And I'm going, can you make a right here? Can you make a left there? I ended up in my cousin's house, who I hadn't seen like for over 20 years. And I didn't even know. I just knew that I remembered that place. The brain's an amazing thing. It will always, it, it will always do what you trained it to do. And does that happen to anybody here? amazing and even to this day oh and I'm I'm good with faces so don't ever commit a crime in front of me (laughs) I will remember you (laughs) hallelujah so I'm, I'm looking here at these gentlemen and their focus was obviously they were learning the prophetic ministry with their leader Elisha uh and they were working with him. They would serve him. They would serve the community. And they were learning how to prophesy and learning how to lead. Um, but in the midst of it, in the midst of it, they realized, you know, we're ministering, but we feel too tight. Something happened in our mind's eye. Something happened inside. We've expanded, but yet the physical place around us hasn't expanded yet. And they went to their leader and says, don't you think this place is too small? He went, yeah, it's too small. And they said, well, shouldn't we build? He said, yeah, go ahead and build. Interesting. He, he, it was almost like he had an attitude about it. Just, yeah, go ahead. I submit to you that that was not the case. I submit to you that he learned that in order for a community to grow, they have to realize it. Sometimes the leader realizes and tries to push and push and push, and they fight back every step of the way because they haven't got it yet. Now, he will continue to show little pictures and panoramas of a better future, but it's not until they get it that we'll be able to get it. 
You got it? So, well, it, it's, it's almost like a, a revelation. You have to, you, it, it, there's a knowing in your knower, and it's a sudden thing, like, it's a realization. You know, where I am, it's too small. Or, you know, I think that I can do better. I think I can do more. Something, you just come to a, res- a realization. And it usually comes after expanding the things you focus on. There's, there's a, a level of, of, of understanding that comes when you submit yourself to God. When you start reading his word, God told Joshua one day, he said, Joshua, I'm going to teach you the principle of prosperity. Then he said this, he said, meditate on my word day and night, and you will make your own way prosperous. I I think that most of you didn't hear what I just said. I'm going to repeat it again. God did not say that he was going to prosper. Joshua, he said, if you meditate on my word day and night, you will make your own way prosperous. That's what he actually said. But what, what, what were the, the, the ingredients? The ingredients were meditate and the word. You see? So in essence, it's not once I become 30 years old, I'll start to prosper. It's not once I get that job, I'll start to prosper. You always prosper within before you prosper on the outside. And I'm sharing this to the teenagers, the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Okay? Because this is a fact. It's a principle in the kingdom of God. And when you get it and start operating it, that's when you'll start prospering. Hallelujah. It also says... In Luke, it says, and actually Jesus said it, Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed together, shaken together, shall men give unto your bosom. But notice what it says. Give, and it will be given unto you. And in the context of that chapter, he was talking about judging. He said, don't judge, and you shall not be judged. And it says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall men give unto your bosom. Now, we use that many times for giving tangibly, giving an offering. But Jesus, Jesus was using a principle that if we judge, if we give judging, judging will come back to us because it's a principle. It works in every area. But the focus I want to bring is notice what it said. It shall be given unto you. Say that to your neighbor. It will be given unto you. But when will it be given unto you? When you give. In other words, the release that comes from you creates the beginning of a response or return. So some people are waiting for a break, yet in their hand they have the power to create the break. Amen, amen. So when I understood that in my spirit, I realized, oh my God, I've been waiting for God to send somebody to give me a break. And yet God was saying, son, I give you the ability to create a new season. He told Joshua, Joshua, meditate on my word day and night. And you shall make your own way prosperous. Meditate means focus on it. Spend time thinking about it. 
day and night. So the things that we spend most of our time thinking about, that's what prospers in our life. The things that we allow to preoccupy our mind the most are the very things that come to fruition in our life. They're the ones that come into the ascendancy in our lives. So in essence, what you've been thinking about, in a sense, you've been allowing into your life and you've been releasing that to grow in your life. That's how come I've realized I have to be responsible for that which comes into my eye gates and ear gates. I am responsible for the things people say to me in terms of receiving them. Now, people can say things, but I have developed filters. And the filter is the Word of God. When somebody tells me I'm no good, my filter immediately chucks it. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, you know what I call it? I call it spam. People tell me something, I go, spam. Yeah, yeah, and I don't care. Even if it's my family, I will not receive some things from them because I've received a revelation of it, an understanding. I've told you this before, but for the sake of those that have not heard me say this before, uh, my, my mom, she, she's a wonderful woman, stubborn though, very stubborn. She can be stubborn. And sometimes her and I, we have some, we don't fight. We don't argue. We have intense fellowship, right? You, you know, you, so sometimes I have some serious intense fellowship about the things she says about my name. She said, oh, you know, you don't understand. The Nazarios de crazy. Yeah, she said, and she really believes this. She says, no, the Nazarios, ooh, in Puerto Rico, they would fight. Machetes. So, you know, her, her in her accent, right? She's got, she, I feel like 50 years old. 50 years being here, she still has got that thick accent. I go, Mom, I don't receive that. I'm sorry. I know what happened in the past, but I'm a new creation. That does not flow through my veins anymore. The Lord cleansed that from my life and from my future and my posterity. Amen. So, she goes, oh, Okay. <laughs> You know, but now she doesn't say that to me anymore because each and every time she would say it to me, I would instruct her, Mom, don't send me that anymore. Send me life. Amen. Send me encouragement. Amen. Because my filter will not receive any junk anymore That's right. That's right. Amen. In, in, in my job. If they treat me a certain way or if they speak to me a certain way, I won't receive it anymore because now I choose to meditate only on the things that have to do with my future and my destiny. It's very important for my destiny. It's very important for my children, my grandchildren. It's very important for you that I think right. If I don't think right, what am I going to give you here on Sunday? I'm going to give you junk. I'm going to give you spam. And I've seen pastors many times send spam from the pulpit. We have no time for that. You see my point? So what I'm saying is these men caught a revelation and they immediately started acting on it. And they said, you know, uh, sir, our, our place is too small. So the first thing they said, they realized that their place was too small. Can it be that they realized that their thinking was too small? 
Could it be that their goals were too small? <clears throat> what are your goals for next year? What are your goals for in five years from now? Do you have any goals? How's everything? Same old, same old. You have no goals then. Your life should be exciting because you should be planning goals in your life and connected to the church. See, they realized the place where we were at is too small. Now, notice, they were not thinking of just themselves. They were thinking about the community they were connected to. Remember when Bishop came? He said that true Christianity is not only thinking about themselves. True Christianity, you're thinking about community. You're thinking, you're thinking about your children, natural and spiritual. Generationally, transgenerationally. These men were thinking on a higher level. They were say, saying, you know, our thinking was too small. We're only thinking about ourselves. And today, many Christians only think about themselves. I got one amen and one preach. Everybody always went, oh, Pastor, stop meddling. No, let me tell you. Most Christians were on that first rung of the ladder. And it's primarily selfish. God bless me. God increase me. God give me what, what belongs to me. It sounds like the prodigal son. That's the first rung. You just get saved. You, you know, God, you saved me. Uh, you know, you redeem me. So bless me, Lord. And I'm not saying it's wrong. But why do you want him to bless you? What's the reason that you need to be blessed? To be blessed is to be empowered to accomplish that which God is calling you to do. That's true blessing. Hallelujah. And these men, they realize, you know, we're thinking too small. So say to your neighbor, you're thinking too small. Really, we have been. We've been thinking too small. There's a lost world out there. There are many pre-believers out there. You know what a pre-believer is? A pre-believer is a person that's waiting for you to come to share the good news of the gospel with them. And they're going to come to saving faith in Christ. But you haven't done it yet. So they are pre-believers. They're almost there. They're just waiting for us to obey God. Hallelujah. They're pre-believers. So we're thinking too small because we're only thinking about ourselves. So one time he said, ye of little faith. Say to your neighbor, ye of little faith. He would actually quantify the faith of his people. One time he actually said to them in Matthew chapter 14, he said, come, Peter got out of the boat. He walked on water. He came to Jesus. But when he perceived and felt the strong wind, he was frightened. And he began to sink. He cried out. He said, Lord, save me. And the Amplified says, from death. So the guy was afraid he was going to die. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and held him saying, oh, you of little faith, why? Did you doubt? When they got out of the boat, the wind ceased. So you see, Jesus will deal with you at the level of your faith. It's not that he doesn't want to bless you more. It's not that he, want, he doesn't want to raise you up so you can do great things in God. He's, he's waiting for you. Ye of little faith. But the scripture tells us how our faith can grow. By studying his word. Hearing his word over and over and over, our faith increases. Say to your neighbor, it's time to hear his word over and over and over again. See, if we meditate on God's word, that's what we're doing. We're hearing it over and over, and it's sinking into our spirit man. 
So now when circumstances and situations happen, we're no longer thinking the way the world thinks, worry, anxiety. Now we go, okay, this is a serious situation. So since our spirit man is trained, now we go, almighty God, I don't have the answer for this one. This is a problem. And we'll go to God, and the Spirit of God will start giving us insight and foresight as to how to deal with the situation. How do we normally handle crises? Come on, around the room. How do you guys handle crises? It, you know, I'm hearing you, and, and yeah, in the flesh, we have a tendency when something happens, we go, ah, you know, we go bananas, we go berserk. We lose it. Run on the walls. Run on the ceilings. Tell people off. Then later on, it really wasn't that big. No. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we have to train our spirit, man, because crises do come. But God is with us in the good times and in the bad. There's some people in my family that think I'm cold. Because when crises come, I don't, I don't, you know, go bananas like they do. I got some in my family that you tell them one little thing, that's it. Gone. That's it. Go like this to your ears because they're going to scream and they're going to go out. I mean, almost like exaggerated. I'm going, okay, give me the camera. Movie time. Cause, I mean, just such exaggeration. But it's, it's not that I'm cold. It's that I don't lose it like they do. See, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, don't suffer like those that have no hope. In other words, we can suffer. We can get sad. But we're not going to react like those ha that have no hope. I have hope. I know that God is with me. Every step of the way, every day, every moment, God is with me. Hallelujah. So say to your neighbor, God's always with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. Hallelujah. Amen. And then they also realize that their ministry center was too small. It came to realization. Who determines the size of your ministry? Who determines the size of your life? Who determines the size of your future? We do. Most people, let other people determine the size of their ministry, their future, their destiny. But the truth of the matter is, we can. We can determine to let God be God in our life. I am convinced that we don't receive more because we close ourselves to opportunities that God provides for us. I am convinced that we don't receive more because we limit the amount of wisdom that we process. Now, wisdom is very important because wisdom allows you to act the right way and respond or prospond. Whereas most people react. Eu estou estudando la língua de portuguese. Estou estudando três meses. Hoje eh, eu conosco duas miles palavras. You know what I'm saying to you? I'm actually studying Portuguese. Because, no, 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 listen, listen. I, I, I'm studying it for various reasons. Number one, I work with a lot of, of Brazilians, Portuguese people. And I get frustrated when we can't communicate. Some things in their language that... It just doesn't translate to Spanish. I thought it was Spanish. It's not. And then they have a, a, a dialect and a, and a way of saying their language that I can't get. 
So I just decided to study it. Who gave me permission? I did. I did. And what's happening is I'm really going at it. And I'm having a lot of fun now. I speak to Brazilians now, and they say, hey, your Portuguese is good. Spoke to a millionaire just the other day, Portuguese person. And they were saying, your, your Portuguese is good. And I said, listen, I, I know I'm in like third grade. I know that. But I'm practicing. So I, I appreciated that of them. But the point I'm making is that I can. But contrary to what they taught you in the Matrix, you can't stick a, a doohickey in the back of your head and suddenly, brrrr, okay, I fly helicopters. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You have to work hard. You have to dedicate yourself. You have to study. You, you have to work longer. You have to get up earlier and go to sleep later to receive the wisdom. Amen. And the problem is that most of us, we've allowed, uh, we've allowed a comfort level to overtake us. And then we start believing that the comfort level is the blessing. Wow, that was good. That was good. You know, just that, that hit me. <laughs> that was good stuff. Now watch this. We're at that comfort level. And that comfort level, anytime anybody touches it, or anytime you have an opportunity, if the opportunity demands that you study to get into a higher level of influence, we won't do it. Because now we think that the comfort level is something that needs to be protected. And a lot of us worship the comfort level. Is anybody looking on the internet? Or you guys say amen, hallelujah. Is this, this group here that just, uh, don't mess with my comfort level. No, no, think about it. Anytime, here's, here's, here's what's going to blow your mind right now. Anytime God calls you to do something great, he's going to mess with your comfort level. And here's the problem. Since we don't understand that God's taken us from here to here, we actually fight God. And then we say, us Hispanics, Señor, reprende el diablo. I rebuke the devil. That's what we, we say in Spanish, you know. Anything that takes us out of our comfort, we're rebuking. I rebuke, I rebuke, I rebuke. You always rebuke. Stop rebuking and receive. It's not the devil. It's God. He's trying to get you from here to here. He wants to bring you into a place. He wants to expand you, expand your ministry, expand your capacity, expand your ability. And for years, you've been fighting God. Wow, 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 wow. My Lord. I want to share with you several, several thoughts about Joshua and Caleb because... They had to actually come to a, an understanding that they were capable of doing what God called them to do. And in the Old Testament, Moses received instructions from Almighty God. He says, that land, I'm giving it to you. And Moses told them, this is God's given us that land. It's ours. It belongs to us. And everything that belongs to that land, it's ours. But yet, God sends out 12 leaders, not 12 Beginners, 12 leaders to spy it out, to map it out, to do reconnaissance, right? And come back and tell them how we can enter, what are the places we can enter through, how much real estate. Ten of the guys came back scared, afraid. They were freaked out. They said, 
we can't take the land. Moses said, what happened? No, listen, everything you said is true. Everything that God told you is true. This place is awesome. There are grapes in that land this big. Milk and honey, all of that is true. But what God didn't tell you is that in order for us to take the land, we have to go and kick out the giants because they're giants that live in that land. Big warriors. Isn't that interesting? God tells you, I'm going to bless you. And right after that, you go to the biggest fight of your life. He never tells you about the fight. Do <laughs> you want the good news or the bad news first, right? God tells you the good news first. Then later on, he says, oh, by the way, yeah, there'd be giants in the land. That's a good point, because sometimes God will do a miracle for you. He'll do A to Z on the miracle, the whole thing, the whole thing, right? Other times, he'll just give you like A and B of the miracle, and then you have to walk out like C through Y, <laughs> and then he'll do a Z for you. Yeah, yeah, sometimes he allows you to go that. See, but the reason why God will allow you to go through some struggles is not because he wants to hurt you. God wants you to go through the struggle because it's the struggle that makes you strong. It's the struggle that would bring you strength that you need to enter in and, take, and to take ownership of that land. See, because that land, there were a lot of animals and beasts in the land. And the only ones that could take ownership and stand and succeed in that land were warriors. And for over 400 years, they had been slaves, but they weren't warriors. They would just, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. For 400 years, that's hard to break. And many of us, we've been through circumstances and situations that are hard to break. But God is taking you from that place to a warrior. And so you have to go through the struggle. You have to go through boot camp. Say it in name, it's time to go through boot camp. Say, God will put you through boot camp. Yeah, I'm going to bless you, my son. You better not say amen so quickly. Because some of us will say, amen, oh, God's going to bless me. Amen. Next week, you're in boot camp. Listen, that prophet was off. He's, he said that God was going to bless me, and, uh, and now I'm going through all these problems. That's no prophet. Yes, he is. Because boot camp is what's going to make you a soldier. Boot camp is what's going to make you a warrior. Boot camp is what's going to make you an overcomer. Hallelujah. Do we have some overcomers in this room? Anybody here that's ever been in a fight before? Anybody here that's had to drag themselves through? That's felt, I'm going to give up, and no, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to push through. That's who I'm talking about here. So these ten spies come back and say, we can't do it. There are too many spies. And yet Joshua and Caleb come back and says, we can. If God said it, those giants will be like food for us. Why did he say that? Well, what does food do? Nourishment. Nourishment gives us strength. So they were convinced that as they went in there and fought, God was going to make them stronger and stronger, and they were going to take their land. Hallelujah. So two, two of these guys had faith in God's word. Ten of the guys had faith in the giants. Which are you? What camp are you in? Do you have faith in God? Even if you're in the minority. Or do you have faith in the giants in your life? Amen. 
10 of them said, we're like grasshoppers next to these guys. And the other guys, they said, no, no, you, 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 you mistake what you see. We are giant killers. So which one are you? Are you a grasshopper or are you a giant killer? Like three people on this side of the room, they're giant killers. Well, maybe you would just, you know, you, who here is a giant killer? Oh, that's what I'm talking about. There you go. <clears throat> Amen. Ten said, I can't. But two had the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ten received the mental picture of the horrible thing that could potentially happen, but others were focused on the future that God had already presented to them. So, hence, it's very important that you grab a prophetic picture of who you are in Christ. You're an overcomer. The power of resurrection actually operates in you. You're a temporary being here on earth, but you are actually an eternal being. Amen. We are children of the king. You know, the paparazzi like to take pictures of famous people and stuff like that. They don't take pictures of you and me. I don't see paparazzi outside there. Yeah, no paparazzi. I looked around. No, not even around the block. No. No, not at all. Now, if your name is Kate Middleton, they'll go five miles out or a mile or two out and get pictures with heavy, powerful lens just to get anything from you. Why? What's the difference between Kate Middleton and the average person? She's going to be the next queen. There's an authority that she carries by virtue of marriage. She entered into a family that now suddenly she has a lot of influence. See, some of you already, uh, some, some of you are getting it. Some of you are getting it. Are you, yeah, I got some preachers in this place. Are you aware that when you came to saving faith in Christ, you didn't just get saved? God said, I adopt you into my family. You are now my son. You are now my daughter. Now, having said that, if you're his son and you're his daughter, and he's God, and he's king of kings and lord of lords, what does that make you? Hallelujah. <laughs> you are princes and princesses. You are people of authority. That's why you got a lot of spiritual paparazzi coming at you. Trying to mess with your future. Trying to get you in, you know, wrong position to try to accuse you. One of the titles of the devil is the accuser of the brethren. But I thank God that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When I got saved, it wasn't dependent on what I did. When I got saved, it was dependent on what God did for me, what Jesus did on the cross. And when he declared me righteous, I don't care what any paparazzi says. I don't care what any devil in hell says. I am righteous. I am forgiven. I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. I am an overcomer. I am walking my destiny each and every day. Hallelujah. I hear from God and God is with me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He loves the prosperity of his servant. 
God loves to bless his children. Hallelujah. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. See, and the enemy doesn't like that. And your neighbor might not like that. Some of your family members might not like that. Maybe some of the people in the job might not like that. But you know what I have to say? Too bad. Yes, sir. I have a friend of mine that says, he says that so much time has become a cliche. He says, it is what it is. You know, don't you hate that already? Just, you overuse it. But in this case, it is what it is. You got to take me, the whole package. Then the other thing is, is that since we don't understand who we are, we don't respond as a prince or princess. We don't respond with authority. Kate Middleton cannot just go play the fool. She can't. They teach her how to eat, how to walk. She can't walk like this. She can't. They won't allow it. Her husband has to walk like this. You, you, just take a look at them, how they walk. They're trained to do everything. Because, because they represent a kingdom. I think the preachers got it. They represent the kingdom. But if you're a prince and you're a princess, don't you represent a kingdom? Don't you represent a king? When I see you acting like this, when I hear you talking in a manner that is not conducive to that of a king or a prince or a princess, I go, aren't you, aren't you connected? How come you're acting like? <laughs> you don't belong there anymore. You, you, you belong on this side now. Aren't, shouldn't you be acting? You know? So the world is looking at you not because they want to catch you making a mistake. The world is looking at you because they're hoping you're the real thing. Because if they could ever find the real thing, it'll give them hope. And they'll realize, yeah, there are real Christians, real followers of Christ. Now there's somebody that I can go to and I can receive the true, real gospel of Jesus Christ. Because many of the times all they see is fake folk, charlatans, or people that aren't really living this. So they get confused. Hallelujah. But these gentlemen, they showed a true picture of what it is to stand for God, even in the midst of a difficult situation. Their minds had been expanded and their lifestyles correspondingly was able to receive the bigger things that God was taking them into. Now I submit this to you because there's, there's a caveat there. And the caveat is, or the warning, or the challenge, is that if God's taken you higher, you by necessity have got to allow God to change your thinking. You can't go in as a slave when he's asking you to come in as a warrior. You can't come in with a poverty mentality when God is about ready to hand you authority, regional authority. 
national authority. He's going to bring you to a place of influence in your job, in community, in government, wherever it may be. My, my call in God is not your call in God. We're all called to do something different. But make no mistake, the impact is on all the mountains. And we need Christians who are thinking bigger, who have allowed God to expand them on the inside because he's taken them in to government, to the entertainment industry. You know, more and more churches are getting involved with creating films. Yeah, before, nobody thought about that. One Baptist church, I think it was North or South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, that Sherwood Baptist church just decided, they're just going to make a movie. Hmm? No, not John Hagee. John Hagee's another one now, yes. But the one I'm thinking about, the Giants. This, they just decided they're going to make a movie. And they made a movie, I think it was uh, something about the Giants. Overcome. But they did flywheel first. Amazing. And when we saw uh, the, the documentary of this church, all of them got involved for free. They volunteered their time. And they... $20,000 budget. And they made a movie... That became an instant hit and garnered millions of dollars and more importantly, touched millions of people. And they took that and parlayed it and then made another movie. I think it was Fireproof or something like that. They just, courageous. Courage, yeah, Courageous. And if I just ask him, he knows them all. I think you have them all at home too, right? Yeah. It blew me away. A church. It's not Universal Studios. A local church. T.D. Jakes also making movies. Jump, jump the broom or something like that. Very successful. Some other ones are coming out now. The church. My friend on, on the West Bronx, <clears throat> he said, you know, God's calling me into politics. I got to get in. God's calling you into politics. Years ago, where I was raised in the church, we would fight against that. Get away from politics. Get away from everything. Jesus ya viene pronto. Jesus is coming already. He is, but we don't know when he's coming. He has not told us to stop and wait just for a rapture. He told us, occupy until I return. The word occupy is a military term that means take over regions and, and bring it back to the king. Preach and teach and disciple until he comes. When he comes, amen. Glory to Dios. Glory to God. We would say, Cristo viene pronto. Jesus is coming soon. So we stopped. No, God is saying, I haven't told you to stop. I'm asking you not to advance. Some of you feel a call. Well, my friend in the West Side, you know, he said, guys, I feel a call. You know what I did? The church got involved and volunteered and, and started going door to door. Knock, knock, knock. We want you to vote for our pastor. He's going he, to be a great council member, city council. And guess what? He won. He is now city council. My, my friend, I look at him and say, I'm so proud of you. And you know what he's doing? He's going in and voting for bills that are going to bring back morality in our communities. Amen. Bring service into community. He's, a, he's an awesome city council member. What is God calling you to do? Hallelujah. I, I, I said this, I think, last year. But I shared, again, for the sake of those that weren't here. Um, I went to a church in Brooklyn good friend of mine and he asked us he asked everybody to hold hands and we're holding hands and when I looked at the person next to me hallelujah 
It's a major mo- motion picture of actress. I wanted to stop him. I said, can I have your autograph? <laughs> I said, no. She's my, my sister in Christ. Loves God. She's worshiping God. But how, what does she impact? She impacts Hollywood. And believe it or not, there are a lot of actors and actresses. They love God. And they impact that region. See, the news won't tell you that. But they are impacting. Hallelujah. Whatever is God calling you? Is it school? Teachers? Are you going to be a principal? Or, or are you a principal already? Are you in law? Or whatever it is. You need to understand God's expanding. Do this with me. Mm. You need to sense the expansion in this day. No time to remain the same anymore. It's time to become the giant killers because it's not about us. It's about what we're called to do and about those people that are waiting for your testimony. They're waiting for your leadership. They're waiting for you to turn it around to them. Those people who complained who murmured in the desert, you know what happened to them? They all died. So in closing, if you're in that company, that murmuring, complaining, I'm afraid company, God tells you, don't worry, don't be anxious, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to have to drink? What are we going to have to wear? Don't worry or be anxious, saying, See, when you're worried or anxious, you tend to say. But what, do you, what is it that you tend to say when you're worried and anxious? You need to start turning that around. If you sense worry and anxiety, say the opposite. Say, I thank God that he's in control. He's going to give me wisdom. I don't see it now, but I know he's working for my behalf. Hallelujah. Murmuring and complaining literally stops healing and creates an atmosphere on the earth realm that resists spiritual blessing and destiny. I'm going to say it one more time. Murmuring and complaining stop healing and creates an atmosphere in the earth realm that resists spiritual blessing. So what are you going to do? See, I for one say, let's, uh, let's act as kings and priests. Let's act as princes and princesses. Philippians 1, 3, 6. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. See, God is determined to work with you and through you and bring it to its fruition. He doesn't just bless you and they say, have a nice life. He blesses you and then walks with you in the process. He partners with you every step of the way. And Paul received that revelation and it brought him great joy because he knew that we suffer a lot. He knew that there are trials and tribulations and many difficult times that the enemy might send our way. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. So allow yourself to be expanded. Get into that particular company, the prophetic company, and allow yourself to see that, in fact, we are giant killers, and God is handing us the land. Say to your neighbor, he's handing me the land. And start prophesying that now. You need to start prophesying your destiny. What are you prophesying? Oh, it's, everything's the same. Uh, don't prophesy that anymore. Every day, 
Look in the mirror. Every morning, Father, I thank you for great things. I'm expecting wisdom today. I'm expecting your blessing. I'm expecting that you're going to increase me. Uh, show me what I need to do today. Give me your word. Give me your wisdom. And as you are in work, expect God to work with you and through you. When you're with your family, lay hands on your family. Pray over them. Prophesy over them. Prophesy the word of the Lord over them. Amen. Get the word of God in you so you can prophesy correctly. Yeah, no, because some people prophesy. <laughs> they don't have the word of God in them, so they're just prophesying some junk. Prophesy the word of the Lord to them. Hallelujah. And I'm talking about, you know, you, you teenagers also. Go to your school and prophesy. Some of the greatest prophets, man, are in the teens. <laughs> I'm serious. Praise God. There's no age limit in God. God wants to use you. Even if you're Samuel or you're a child, one of the greatest prophecies came from a child. So get ready because God is going to work with you and through you. And today and even this season is a time of expansion. So let's do it one more time. Let's prophetically do Father, thank you that you're expanding me.